0: Hey everybody! It's a special Tuesday edition of the Shay Anything podcast. Doug Williams, alongside the newsbreak. What day do we usually do this? Uh, Thursday.
1: Okay. Well, happy it's, Tuesday, everyone. Yeah, Thursday's busy this week. The teams are yeah, playing there's ball. A lot going on. But uh, today we're going to talk about the business side, aren't we? Congratulations. Uh, thank you, Doug. Uh, ran into one, uh, uh, so Jacob Degrom is a Met. Closed
0: your eyes and swung at a fastball, and it went a long way.
1: Exactly. No, look, he's he's. Uh, this is obviously a great thing, Jacob Degrom's extension. Uh, just a great thing for the team, great thing for the player, uh, the agency, the whole thing. Uh, so many minefields here between Brody being the ex-agent, the new agent Jeff Berry getting to know Degrom, Mets ownership uh, in a position when they did not have to spend this money and deciding if they wanted to, and Jacob Degrom for being. Frustrated behind the scenes, but keeping a a straight face publicly. And everybody just behaved really professionally and ended up with a good result for all.
0: It interests me that your reaction is the common one. Good for both sides. uh, Good for the Mets to get it done. Good job by Jeff Berry and and Jacob deGrom's uh, side of things to, to get it done. Um, that is different from the conversations we were having a couple months ago about this extension. Uh, yeah. It was a polarizing topic. Uh, it seemed like 50% of the Mets fan base said, why do this? You have two years of a guy who's already uh, over 30, and you had one side who was like, extend the guy. You know, He's uh, coming off one of the best uh, seasons for any pitcher in big league history. So when did we get to this point where now that you're paying this guy a boatload of money for a five-year deal, that it is without question to be applauded?
1: Well, I, I personally always thought, going back to our discussions last year when people were wondering if they should trade him, that this was a guy you commit to. So I, I think that it was, has been a no-brainer. It wasn't a business side no-brainer to do it now because you control him for two years, but there were a lot of other factors. Uh, this is a, to me, this is a player you bet on, both health-wise because he started pitching so late and he takes care of himself and performance-wise because he knows how to pitch and he knows how to compete to the point that I think he will be one of these guys that when he loses something off his fastball in a couple of years, he will still know how to get people out. So it's a good, he's the guy, if you're gonna commit to a pitcher at this age of anyone, he's not, I mean, I hate to jinx or anything, but you look at guys like Kershaw, who's been pitching in the big leagues since he was 19 and is breaking down. DeGrom just doesn't have that kind of mileage. And and Chris Sale has had all these shoulder problems. And, and the Red Sox extended him just recently. They're, they're, this is the trend that the industry's going in to lock up these guys. And the Mets... Risked completely missing the boat. And while they would have had the right to do that, again, from a straight business standpoint, they did not have to extend him. There was no urgency, but they would have also been an outlier in industry that's doing this kind of thing. So from a public relations standpoint, from a competitive baseball standpoint, and from keeping up with your competitive other teams that you're competing with, uh, to me it was just a no-brainer.
0: I'm glad you mentioned, Andy, that the Mets didn't have to extend him because – Twitter is a buzz today with a couple takes, two of which I believe are worth dispelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that the Mets had to do this. As right. if, like, I don't know, crossing sports here, but the New England Patriots probably wouldn't have done that. They would have just let him play out the two years. That is a, that's a savvy... Good, that, that's a good analogy. That is a yeah. savvy business decision, right? Um, as you just said. So to be totally heartless about it, is a possibility and was the Mets' prerogative. They decided to do this mm-hmm. because they believed Jacob deGrom will age well and be a good starting pitcher for the remainder of this five-year uh, contract. They didn't have to do it by any means. The other aspect of this, and I know people are joking, give Noah Syndergaard a cut of this deal. He came out and said, pay the man his money. Do you really think that after an offseason where they were actively shopping Noah Syndergaard... Fake news. didn't Wrong. get, ...didn't get... <laughs> what they wanted for Noah Syndergaard, and then whether it matters or not. By the way, I have no information on either of these subjects. I'm just guessing that Noah Syndergaard comes out and says, this trip to Syracuse is pointless. Um, He does a Twitter Q&A and people ask thoughts on the ponds. He says, my bosses. Like... Did he really? I missed that. He just called them my bosses. Do you really, <laughs> really think that Noah Syndergaard with this organization is in a place where whatever he says on Twitter, the organization's suddenly going to be like, ooh, let's do yeah, that. Yeah, I can exclusively report that what happened was
1: uh, Syndergaard made his comments. He said, pay the man. Uh, Jeff Wilpon called Brody Van Wagen and said, we need to get together right now. We weren't going to do this deal, <laughs> but now we will.
0: I mean, it's just, but people are serious. Like, Noah Syndergaard, <clears throat> you know. Right after he says, pay the man, they pay the man. Well, guess what? The deadline is coming up. <laughs> Opening days on Thursday. That is the only thing you have to look at. People. There's no other, you know, timing. This is properly timed. Wow. Really convenient. Noah Syndergaard says something and then it happens. No. The it was deadline's cool. Thursday.
1: Listen, listen. It was cool of Noah Syndergaard to say that about his teammate, Jacob deGrom. I hope it's obvious that this had nothing to do with the result. That's all I'll say about that. And I
0: I don't mean to, you know, be Mr. Serious, like, oh, you're fun at parties. Like, we're all just joking around that Noah Syndergaard's, like, basically Jacob deGrom's agent. I understand it. But I also have seen, you know, people tweeting seriously that this had something to do with it. And by the way, Noah Syndergaard should have his teammates back. He has been uh, really complimentary of Jacob, not just saying the obvious of how good a starting pitcher he is and how good a teammate he is, but also just the fact that Noah has been quick to point out that DeGrom deserves what he's about to get, and that's not necessarily what every teammate does. Not every guy says, pay another guy a ton of money. So I applaud Noah for that, but it had nothing to do with DeGrom getting paid a substantial amount of money. Of course
1: not, but I'm sure it was appreciated. Like if, if any coworker goes to the boss and says, "Hey, pay this guy." Hey, thanks, man. Right. So that, that's the extent of it.
0: And I bring up the Patriots and back to the first part of this conversation with with the Mets not necessarily having to do this because I always find myself watching them in every Super Bowl because they seem to be in every single one, and I'm like, it's fascinating because a lot of these players are going to be free agents whether it's soon or next year or the year after that, and the Patriots never seem to care whether it's, it's just Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, everyone around there, them is just this rotating game of musical chairs. And the Mets could have said, we have two more years of this. We don't care about public perception. We don't care about, like, the clubhouse, the mm-hmm. cliche that, like, we're doing this to keep everybody happy. We're not going to pay him for what he did last year and what he's done the last couple years. We're going to pay him like we would any 30-year-old starting pitcher. They decided not to do that. That's a decision, though. It's not an obvious arrival at a conclusion.
1: I agree. It's the conclusion. I agree with what you're saying. It's the conclusion that I agree with, that I would have personally yes. like opined for. But it you could, you could have made, and people did make, a solid argument against it. And I think that Patriots point is a good point to just say, hey, we'll keep you when you're good, and then we'll move on and find somebody else. But the Mets... Nobody knows DeGrom better than Brody, and and he knows that this is the kind of human being and athlete that you build your culture around. So that was the intangible of maybe you don't have to do it, but here's why it's a really good idea. This is the guy, David Wright was the right guy to commit to from a a standpoint of his leadership. His health broke down after the fact, but that was a guy to bet on. And now you would never argue with betting on that person, even though the health part didn't work out. Jacob DeGrom is another guy to bet on. Uh, Matt Harvey didn't turn out to be a guy to bet on for right. a variety of reasons but they when you when you develop talent and then you f- see it through to its prime commit to it and that's what they that's what they decided to do
0: right and the other thing about Jacob DeGrom our colleague John Harper always points out he's such a good athlete former shortstop has a little bit less mileage on his arm that's than important. normal yeah. this wasn't just and you would be able to speak to this from a reporting per, uh, perspective This wasn't just the team feeling romantic about their homegrown guy wanting him to be a big part of the future. They believe that this guy can be a stud pitcher for the next five years of this deal, or else they probably wouldn't have done it, correct? Roughly
1: five years. I think it's hard to project out a pitcher into his mid-30s, but if anyone's a bet, he is for the reasons we were saying before, the way he competes, his style of pitching. He... the, the moment that we learn what Jacob DeGrom is made out of, and we've talked about this before, but it was at Game 5 of the Division Series in 2015 against the Dodgers when you watch the first inning and you say, oh, Mets are losing this game. DeGrom has nothing today, and he had nothing. He's pitching on gas, and he ends up winning a clinching game in, in a playoff series because he knows how to compete and he knows how to pitch. And maybe he will be running on gas permanently by the time he's 35, but he's still going to know how to get outs.
0: This, as much as I've... Spend time saying that the Mets already in this podcast didn't have to do this. It does now paint this picture. Andy opening days in a couple days. Pete Alonso's coming up with the big league club. Jacob Degrom got his extension. From a uh, fan positivity standpoint, I think we're we're as close as the Mets could be to. having fans feeling pretty much 100% good going into this season right now. So Devin Masarocco
1: is actually organizing a, a picket <laughs> in front of the picketing. Oh, Other than that... Masarocco uh, went
0: home. He's in Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, he's not going to be a
1: med on any level. But uh, He's the, the only. only sad guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean to laugh because it sucks what, what's going on with him. But yes, to your point, uh, all the big things, it's like check, check. Brody is 0-0, zero and 0-0 zero, and as a GM. But uh, in terms of... Things that he said and decisions that he's made, he's had a lot of victories.
0: I a lot of the roster decisions were not necessarily figured out, but came to light this weekend. So I uh, maybe an hour ago I was talking to our producer Mike Flynn, and I was like, Michael Flynn, he he hates being called Mike, and I never call him Mike, so I don't know why I just did. But so I said, okay, so we figured out catcher, right? Mesoraco's weirdly retiring or something. <laughs> he's so retiring. It's, it's Nito and it's Ramos. And Darno starting on the IL, right? And, and Flynn pauses for a second and he's like, Yeah, but they, they signed Rene Rivera. I'm mm-hmm. like, I know. Yeah, I, I guess that's confusing. Okay. Um, in terms of infield, and he was like, Yeah, Echeverria is going to triple going down. Yeah. And I was like, So Guillaume made the team? He's like, Yeah, I think, but they signed Ruben Tejada. So like, I
1: don't, I think that's minor league depth. I didn't even ask. Yes,
0: I agree. Yeah. But it's just funny that There's we a, had these a lot of two, two really interesting depth roster decisions the Mets needed to make. And in each case, they made the decision and signed a former Met to maybe complicate it a little bit.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I Look, they're, <laughs> they're, this is an active uh, front office. They're always like, oh, uh, hey, uh, Ruben Dehada called. Okay. Yeah, sure. Da, da, da. Like, that's just they're always doing something. I, I, see, I, miss, like, I miss covering Sandy. It's like one move every six months, and you can see it coming.
0: I honestly don't miss it. I like, I like that all these guys are in this Triple A weird rotation. Like Gregor mm-hmm. Blanco, what Rajay Davis, uh, Devin Mesoraco is retiring, and is is on well, the. Okay, this is actually a
1: fascinating situation. And if if it weren't for DeGrom, this would be a great long conversation. But yeah, roughly, basically, here's what happened. Uh, and I had a really interesting interview with his agent last night who was critical of the Mets, although not, like, angry, but pretty blunt. He said, look, when Meseraco signed, uh, it was because Wheeler and DeGrom were person lobbying Brody, which, which is why he one of the reasons why he came to the Mets. And he, and, and he said that Meseraco was told verbally that if Travis isn't ready, Travis Dono isn't ready, then Devin will be on the team. Uh, Travis is not quite ready, but Nito's going to make the team. So... Um, Maserako's point is, please release me. He will literally be the backup catcher in Syracuse if he were to stay with the Mets. Because once you activate Darno, Nito goes down, and then Nito's the starting catcher in Syracuse. Maserako's like, please, I'm 30, I've had a career, I don't want to be the I just wanna go to AAA in an organization where there's a path to the major leagues. And the Mets are saying, sorry, but we can't have special rules for you. Echeverria and Davis are on the same contracts, and they're going down. We're not giving them an option to have the release. We can't have the Devin Masarocco rules. And, and Mesorocco's agent told me, we understand that point, and we understand, and we have no grudge against the Mets for making the roster decision they made. That's, it. That's their call. But please just let Devin go sign with another team to go to AAA with that team. where there's a better path. And the Mets said, nope, sorry. So Mesorocco said, I retire from baseball. And that's it. He's retiring from baseball, according to his current stance.
0: But he could also be saying, "I'm retiring from baseball," and then once his deal's up at the end of the year. he'll Well, yeah, he could
1: try to get another deal in 2020.
0: So, and he's arguing that he got the bait and switch.
1: They, he says that they told him he'd be on the team under conditions that did come to, come to pass, and then, and so because they had this understanding, he'd like them to make a special case and release him. Yeah. Wow. So it's a con- it's 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 a it's almost like a business ethics like seminar question. It's like okay, there's no question that legally the Mets are doing something that they have the right to do, but is it should it be uh, courtesy to and I, I checked in with this is unique so I checked in with a couple of people in the industry like well, what's what's the right thing to do here and everyone said the Mets aren't doing anything technically wrong but maybe just like do the guy a solid would, would be the way to go but. If you're Rajay Davis or Echeverria, you yeah. when, then your agents are calling. Going, hey, wait a minute! So I, it's it's just interesting.
0: I liked what you said on Baseball Night in New York last night, which was it's, it was a rough day on Syracuse yesterday. <laughs> Nobody wants to go got, to
1: Syracuse.
0: You got a backup catcher refusing to go there to the point where he's retiring. <laughs> he is stopping his profession. <laughs> i think he's done his whole life. entire year to avoid playing baseball in Syracuse, New York, mm-hmm. and then you have Noah Syndergaard basically. Begging not to go. By the way, the Syracuse thing, They there's a photo of the mound today. The the, the mounds that I they're putting down on the football field. It's a big one I thought
1: they were on. practicing in the Carrier Dome.
0: Not they, on the Carrier Dome.
1: No, In the Carrier Dome. <laughs> in the Carrier Dome is not a football field. They play football in there? Yes. Oh, I thought it was just basketball.
0: I don't know. No, it's primarily a football field. When it's a basketball court, it's kind of crazy how many people are there. It's almost too big. I see. It is the Syracuse football stadium, and they're putting down these these pitchers' mounds that are just look dangerous. I, that's all I'm going to... Shame on me. I'm
1: from Rochester. My dad went to Newhouse. I thought they played football in a different place. I thought,
0: honestly, I I think Syracuse is just a school for broadcasters. Well, they it's other... a school
1: for insufferable members of this industry who won't shut
0: the... Uh, whatever. I used to, when I did Sports Night... <laughs> And I we're gonna come off like two cranky non new house school guys, <laughs> I didn't even when know. I to used play to do football. sports night and do Cuse highlights, whether it's football or basketball, I'd be like, New house school takes on UConn like it was just
1: That's good. Good on you. It, it They're all from football. Syracuse. Everyone's from Syracuse Then this uh, business. Everyone who you've ever read other than me went to Syracuse. I was someone Or watched other than me. Other than you. That's true. Broadcasters, Steve writers
0: Gelbs, Gary Apple.
1: It goes on and on, believe me, with writers.
0: So, Andy, opening day is on Thursday, um, and we want to do some, some over-unders, which I think are fun. Sure. And our producer, Jeff, listed out some numbers here. So, um, wins he didn't give us.
1: He just says wins on the sheet.
0: Jeff, do we know what number? Right, but oh, I don't, what's the over-under I don't know. that they're known in Vegas for? That would be what I would like to do. You know, I have no
1: idea how many games anyone's gonna win. I mean, who who the hell knows? It depends on who stays healthy, doesn't it?
0: We have, by the way, I know this is messy, but I, I just got a tweet from at Seaver 15. Uh in the mound, the 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 mound photo, right? So someone tweets out the mound <laughs> it photo. Does not, does look, not good. look good. And Seaver15 says, what could go wrong? I literally just... This is a taped podcast, Uh and I'm just seeing... It's in the ether. I do say what could go wrong on the show a lot, so... Um, Okay, wins. I think the Mets can win uh, 87 games.
1: I really don't know. It depends on how they perform and their health. Okay.
0: Uh, Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) What? I just want a number. I'm not going to pick a number. I don't know. I don't know. I don't do this. Andy. I don't do this. I'm refusing to do the predictions for the, our
0: website, so well, it wouldn't about, be fair about, to the website so to do them for the this podcast. This entire segment.
1: No, I'm just
0: not going to participate. No, I'll these do, are all predictions. Okay, so, you're, so, so some are you're better than some, but you're not better than others.
1: No, I would prefer not. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know how many they're going to win. I'm not going to do that one. What's the next one? Peter Alonzo home runs, twenty-two point
0: five. Um, uh. He over. It yeah, just this is this is exercising. A depends
1: muscle. on it's so exciting. many things about Dom Smith and.
0: It'd be funny if you were like, I think he's going to hit exactly twenty-two and a half home runs.
1: <laughs> Last year, I said on BnY and Opening Day that Stanton was going to hit seventy. How'd that go for we, me? We
0: overreacted. I was one of the people who overreacted.
1: Jeff McNeil batting average two. Alonzo Alonso will hit. Um, just so you know out there, audio listeners, we're reading from a sheet. A rundown. I,
0: would get, I would give Pete Alonso over 22.5 as well. Jeff okay. McNeil batting average, 290. I would go over that as well.
1: I would go under that. Okay. Between uh, his intermittent playing time, getting used to a new position, and um, was a little hit lucky last year.
0: Over under Matt's ERA of four, I'm going to go over. Yeah. Uh, Edwin Diaz saves, 42.5. I'm going to go under.
1: Yeah, that's my gut, too, for no reason that I can... he
0: can have a very good year, uh, maybe miss a little bit of time, who knows? People have arm problems and still have 35 to 42 saves, which is, I think, a better window. Um, Tim Tebow, big league debut. How and when, Andy?
1: Um, it really... De- okay. Mm. <laughs> if
0: the Mets are doing
1: well, it's hard to see. I mean, he's in A now, so he's technically one of the guys who could be... Uh, in in, in line to get called up if there's injuries, I guess, if he's playing well. I don't... I tell you, good luck finding a evaluator that thinks he can play in the big leagues at all. Uh, if the Mets are bad this year, if they're out of contention, then probably September 1st.
0: There's a lot that... Are the September call-up rules... Oh, something changed there. Yeah, I but know. is that for 2019?
1: I don't know. I'll check.
0: I... I- <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so. I, cannot, I forgot. I cannot give a prediction here. I'm like you with wins because I don't, like there's too much that I'm not privy to. This is a, the, that t- the Tim Tebow thing is a better question for you because you have source knowledge. I don't. Well, my source knowledge is I also is have that no, like. He uh, can't play. No offense. Well, no. I mean, I, <laughs> I think a lot of people feel that yeah. way. It's just a matter of if September call-ups are a thing of the past, He's got to earn it. Right. Uh,
1: the, look, the ex, this could be wrong because he is like a holy man and, and he will transcend scouts' predictions. But he is, not, he is seen as likely as somebody who will be exposed by AAA pitching. Maybe that doesn't
0: play out that way, but maybe it does. The next one that Jeff has is call up who will make an impact. Anybody?
1: I'm thinking. I'm um, trying to give a good answer here. Rajay Davis, because he has already made an impact in spring training in the way that he's been helping young players with base running stuff where he's like apparently some kind of savant. Like here's how you know when a pitcher's tipped that he's going home plate and this and that. So I think he's going to spend a little bit of time with the big league club and make an intangible impact.
0: Yeah, I can't think because the obvious answer is already going to start the season with the team and Pete Alonso. I think they, the Mets, are starting their season with everybody they think. How about Jimenez? (laughs) I don't think Andres Jimenez, as normal people pronounce it, uh, is going to make an impact this year.
1: I I I stick with my answer. I think they don't. Obviously, they need to rebuild uh, like high end prospects at the high levels. They're not. We're not waiting for a Syndergaard or Wheeler or Harvey anymore. Those are. That's in the past. And I think that Davis is a guy that can make an impact in little ways around a clubhouse. Okay,
0: Um, National League East division
1: winner. Holy crap. I have no idea. I'm not doing this. You're not doing this. Not the Marlins. (laughs) No, this is what I love. Earnestly, genuinely, what I love about this division is how impossible it is to say. In an era of tanking, we've got four teams going for it. Any of them could win the division except, in my opinion, the Braves. That's the one limb I'll go out on is that the Braves are a real candidate for regression this year. Um, But they're good, too. So I like this division, and I have no clue who's going to win it. The obvious best team on paper is the Washington Nationals. I will say that. Um,
0: 2020 is 28 players in September, by the way. Oh, so they can do – okay. So Tebow in September is a semi-realistic possibility now.
1: The problem with that whole setup is – that... Sorry to bring this back. No, if he, and I've always thought this about a Tebow September call-up, that if he gets the call-up because they're out of it in September, then it's so transparently a novelty act that that's what they've always been accused of with him. So the perfect world is that he gets called up because it's somehow meaningful, baseball-wise, but it's hard to see.
0: Is it... uh, I don't know if we want to keep going down this path, but I'm not entirely sure it's a novelty act if he's playing decently in Triple A and it's September. And well, I guess it is. Uh, National League East Division winner. Oh god! You, you gonna do it, <sighs> Phillies? By the way, I have a really hard time saying that, though, because Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell are still free agents.
1: Yeah, but Keuchel's not an impact player to me. Kimbrell is.
0: He, I don't think Keuchel's going to win anybody a World Series, but if he joins a rotation and is decent, that helps, especially with a team like the Phillies or a team like the Braves. They have starting pitching depth issues, so it could make a difference. And if Craig Kimbrell goes to the Braves, that's a huge difference to that team. Yeah. So maybe that, those, those two signings would affect my outcome here. Yeah, I think the Mets on the, are on the outside looking in in the division. I think they could be in the wild card picture, but um, will Cespedes return, and if so, when?
1: Those that he Troy Tulawitzki's missed season last year is a really bad sign. For I've talked to people who know Tulawitzki really well and how he had the same heel things and and how hard that was to come back and and how well remains to be seen if he's still all the way back. Although he's looked Tulawitzki looked pretty good in the spring. Um, I would be pessimistic about Cespedes giving them much this year.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's coming back this season. Just judging from watching him walk into camp this spring with a little bit of a limp, it just seems like a lot to overcome this year. I think there may be more optimism for, for 2020. Um, who will be the Mets all-star? If the there's
1: the one, one who is good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think... <laughs>
1: it's
0: too bad this is radio. I'm shaking radio. my head. At Andy, for, um, the, for those of you who can't see, you know what? This is just, this is just a content thing for for the viewers and the listeners. But they, to, I believe in hear. I believe in authenticity. Yes, That's Andy. The best content. You are, you are closer to the team. That's why than I'm the getting, average person.
1: You, know, so you no, have a more informed no, no. opinion. You're missing. I'm giving insight. I'm just not giving. I'm just trying not to give predictions. Do you not want to be wrong? No, I just don't like predictions. They're stupid. I don't do them. They. And I have are, to be equal opportunity. Because I'm, 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 I am probably annoying people internally by not turning in my predictions that they want to do for the website. So how can I give them to the podcast?
0: Oh, boy. Now we're getting a, your, your workplace.
1: <laughs> listen, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm still giving answers. If you listen, I think that obviously Jacob deGrom, although
0: he will... You didn't... <laughs> I'm still giving answers. I said, who will be the all-star?
1: I don't know who will be the all-star. I think that if you had to make a bet on it, I think DeGrom, I think Michael Conforto, there's my limb. Michael Conforto is going to have an all-star season. That's a prediction. Okay, I made a freaking prediction. So we got about 90
0: seconds of of you just stumbling over your Maybe we did or we didn't. This will be edited. Um,
1: You got one out of me. Congratulations. Michael Conforto will be an all-star. Jacob DeGrom will be an all-star. Edwin Diaz will be an all-star. And um, that's it.
0: How many games the Mets going to win?
1: 97. No, I don't know.
0: <laughs> we had
1: to do this in spring training, and I said 79 because I was in a mood. Um, Conforto, like private, I, I don't
0: know. Conforto, DeGrom, Syndergaard. Milestone. Okay, that, those are good predictions. Um, do you have any romantic feelings about Opening Day?
1: Yes. Oh, big time. I, I love Opening Day. I'm already excited about it. I really am. Um, used to go as a kid to Rochester, uh, where uh, Syndicate I would not like this, but it was snowing usually on opening day. My dad would take me out of school. This amazing feeling of, like, your dad and you are conspiring, to like, fake an appointment. You leave school at noon or whatever it was. You go to the Red Rochester Red Wings game. Uh, terrible weather. You're freezing. It was That's part of the tradition up up there in that part of the state. And it's just absolutely wonderful day. Absolutely treasure it. How about you?
0: Well, I love... Baseball being back. That's my favorite thing about opening day. I, I never really growing up did anything different on opening day. I don't know if I've ever actually attended a game as a fan. Um, I do it, it has always kinda of bothered me that baseball used to do the game the night before. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Totally. So when and, they would start with the Sunday night baseball. Right.
0: Yeah. And, and they're not doing that anymore.
1: No, this is better. I agree.
0: And and I think that day of should be just a day of baseball and um that to me is the novelty of it i i used to used to bother me that there was a game night before it was like what's opening day which Good one call. so i'm glad they're not doing it and um just for the sake of having baseball back it's one of my favorite days of the year because we've been waiting so long um so before we get into my saturday night mm-hmm. i i said on the show last week i would actually have something slightly interesting let's have so, it you know i was in los angeles you were um, and I, I don't normally go into where I was or what I was doing because...
1: You I don't, don't want the paparazzi to be following you?
0: That is not it at all. Mm-hmm. I would on, honestly, I feel like if I got paparazzi'd, it would lead to this really fascinating, like, why did that happen? <laughs>
1: <laughs> A big cultural reckoning is what you're like saying.
0: If I, if I was eating dinner somewhere and I walked out of the restaurant and suddenly they were taking photos of me, I'd be like did I, is there something I did? In the last 90 minutes while I've been eating, like, did I like...
1: (laughs) You'd wonder what's happened. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I went to Sunset Tower for dinner, lovely hotel in Los Angeles. I don't know that one. Um,
1: Where's that, on Sunset?
0: It is on Sunset. Okay. The the LA Marathon was on Sunday, so Sunset was actually closed, which was really eerie, leaving that hotel right on Sunset Mm -hmm. in West Hollywood, if you've ever been there and it was just people running. Total silence. Oh,
1: I saw that once. When I was in L.A. a couple years ago reporting that Richard Simmons story, the marathon was going on, and I got stuck in traffic.
0: Yeah, well, it, it happened <laughs> to me, randomly. too. Randomly. Uh, but, yeah, it was really fun. Had some friends for dinner, and um, it was a it was a good trip. So I cool. actually was out doing something. What about you? Uh, I, uh, you danced. I, I danced. I
1: <laughs> danced. I just want to dance. Like that guy from Days to Confuse. I danced, man. I went to a party, and I... No,
0: okay, I... I wish what? that you just had left it at, I danced.
1: I will leave it at that. I danced my tail off. I danced till I dropped, and I couldn't dance anymore.
0: I want people to be wondering if you were at a social gathering, if you do it professionally, and it's like a... <laughs> I stripped. Yeah, it's like a a situation where there's this world that, this Andy Martina that goes by a different name, like Duke Silver in, in Parks and Recreation, that mm-hmm. if you go to a local, um, like small theater, small town place So mm-hmm. you're a professional dancer. I'm not saying that you're a stripper. I'm saying that you... You're
1: not saying I'm not. We're not saying anything. We're just saying I danced. And with that, happy opening week, everyone.
0: Um, all right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. Enjoy opening day. Um, Andy, as he said earlier, thinks the Mets are going to win exactly 79 games. No, I said 97. Um, he, uh, One
1: of those two.
0: If you have any takeaway from this podcast it would be to hound Andy for the rest of the year on his very specific (laughs) predictions when they are either wrong or right. And he will take full credit. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy opening day. We'll talk to you next week.